This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. As the season's gone on, we've done a better job of, of maybe being a little more even keel through games, right? You know, whether we have the lead and lose it or whether we are down and or work our way back. Um, you know, I think there have been instances early on in the season where we kind of imploded when we lost that lead and, and really tried to push, turn more pucks over and just kind of fed the other team's game. Uh, I think in this case, you saw it a couple times where we were able to, to get our game back, kind of flip that momentum and keep going and grind one out into OT and then win. Well, the growth moments for sure, like sit here and say, you know, if that was game two of the season that happened, I don't know if the first, if the outcome is the same, but the team's growing together and it's, uh, it's great to see. Team is growing. It's great to see. Ian Cool, great to hear. Lightning. Back at it again tonight at Amelie Arena. Glad you're with us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. I am Greg Linelli along with Dave Mishkin. Steve Ersnick is our producer. And, of course, right now we are joined by Chris Kren, Lightning reporter. He's been everywhere, excited to come on with us and talk about this game. And, Chris, welcome to uh, the show, buddy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. You know, Greg, I think... Chris is actually writing as we're doing this conversation. Is he tweeting something out? Well, or he's maybe doing him, his pregame article. Who knows? Ooh. Just a little research right now. Okay. Just a little research. So he's accumulating information. <laughs> maybe he's getting ready for these hard-hitting questions yes. that we throw out on Power Lunch. People do get nervous when they come on because they know the questions sometimes. They make you think a little bit. And, um, I can always appreciate that. Uh, Chris, let's maybe dive into the team, where they are right now, and and how you're feeling about them. I think some good, uh, some inconsistent play, and here we are, uh, a few games into the season. What do you make of, of the Lightning and where they are right now? I mean, I think they're in a great spot for, for all the turnover they've had. They're trending upwards. Um, I think that they've consistently gotten better, and for me, I think one thing that stuck out to me is just the way that the group has kind of been able to learn from the past mistakes that they've made throughout the season. You know, there's been the Philly game early on in the year where they couldn't close it out and kind of gave up that lead. And, you know, they learned from that and how to get past that. And then special teams issues that they've learned from and just different things throughout the year. I think, um, you know, there's learning experiences throughout the year. And I think Cooper mentioned the other night that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's inevitable there's going to be steps backward throughout the season bad things are going to happen and uh i think the lightning have done a good job of taking those in stride and i think having success helps them with that they know that you know bad things are going to happen and it's can you learn from those and and move forward and and not really kind of get stuck when those bad things happen like the game time goal in the dallas game the other night i mean that's a that's a goal that you know cooper even mentioned early on in the season they may not have come back from that and kind of would have hung, hung their heads a little bit, but they just said, this is fine. It's only a tie game and, and came back and won the game in overtime. So I think uh, their mental strength kind of sticks out to me and, and just, you know, there's a lot of new faces and a lot of turnover on this team. So they're starting to find some chemistry. It looks like, and guys are finding their way a little bit and, you know, it's, you got Sorelli and Bogosian right around the corner, hopefully coming back soon. And that'll be two really big additions for this team. So I think they're trending upwards. I think they look good and, you know, it's like we said at the start of the year, they have that core that can make a deep run and you have Vasilevsky and Ned and, and Stammer and Cooch and Hedman and Point and you know, despite the good players that they lost, they still have one of the, the best rosters across the league and they still have that experience and they know how to win. So it's crazy that the season is 
I think almost a fifth of the way over. Um, it's, it's going pretty quick, but you know they're stringing together a lot of points over these past few weeks. So I'd, I'd say things are looking good. How do you think John Cooper came out of watching the Dallas game on video? Because I think he accentuated a lot of the positives, starting with the fact that they won. Yeah. And they had that moment that was kind of defining where they gave up potentially a stomach gut punch type of goal again, still found a way to prevail. But on the other hand, they gave up four goals and their penalty kill gave up a couple of power play goals to the Stars. How do you think he came out of kind of taking that game in when he reviewed it on video? Sometimes I don't know what to expect from Coop after a game. It's like sometimes I feel like the game's I think he's going to be very upset. He's in a peachy mood after, and then sometimes it's the exact opposite. But it's interesting because, like I said, and you said, they did bounce back and won in overtime, but they did give up that three-on-one kind of right before, and the game could have ended a completely different way. But it's it's a good question. I mean, the power play for Dallas did score a couple goals. The penalty kill was good against Washington, but prior to that was starting to waver a little bit. Um, that's also a really good team. You know, They have a lot of good players up front, and – for me, it, it felt like either team could have won that game. I didn't think one team dominated necessarily on either end of the ice. Um, it's tough, too, because I don't know necessarily how how much going into these games versus Western Conference teams um, versus, like, a, a divisional team or, or a, a Metro team like Washington that you see more throughout the year. Like, how, how much video are they watching? How much pre-scout is there to prepare for a team like that? Or is it more you know, let's go out and play our game, focus on what we do and see what happens. But they have been giving up, you know, quite a few goals, I guess. They they don't like giving up more than three, as Cooper has talked about. So I would imagine there were some things he's happy with and some things he, he wasn't so happy with. But kind of a weird game. It was pretty pretty even game throughout, I felt. What do you think? I agree. I mean, I thought the Lightning had an edge – in that third period, we talked yeah. about this on the show yesterday, five on five. Even though Elliot had to make some key saves and they had the mistake at the end of the game. But I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, Dallas, I think, is going to, when all is said and done, be a playoff team. And it's going to go down as a quality win for the Lightning. Yeah. I just know that he's very consistent about two goals allowed or less. You give yourself a great chance to win. Three, the outcome is hanging in the balance. And they gave up four yeah. and still won the game. Yeah. So I wonder if that's stuck in his craw a little bit. I would think so with how much he's talked about the third goal this year. <laughs> and just how, how much you can't – you don't want to give up those three goals and you can't rely on your offense to score four or five goals every night. But, yeah, just kind of a, a weird game back and forth. I mean, Dallas got those two really quick goals. Mm -hmm. um, and that felt like kind of a game-changing moment. And then – you know, the Lightning tie it up, Cole scores. It was just, just a pretty back-and-forth, more one of the more back-and-forth games I think we've seen all year. Good game, though. <laughs> was a good game, and thankfully, the Lightning were able to come out victorious. Chris, I'm curious, because I, I think a lot of people have been, you know, discussing the back end a bit, how that's going to play out when Bogosian comes back. I think the Lightning are finding some quality depth back there in addition to some other guys who are veterans who are playing pretty well, and Mikhail Sergachev certainly fits that mold. But what do you make of Ian Cole and where he fits in when it comes to not being in the top six, because I think that is a given, but where does he fit in in the top six? 
It's a great question because looking back on his career, he's played on the right side a lot uh, throughout his career. When he was in St. Louis, he played on the right more so than the left, I think, from the research I did. And um, he's been traded and gone to some different teams, and he's been able to play that right side despite being a lefty. Um, so it's really interesting because, you know, they're trying to find that right partner uh, to be with Hedman. Now that they have that Sergeyev and Perbix pairing, you know, is it going to be Bogosian? Is it going to be Foot? Could Myers be the guy? Maybe it's they want that someone to kind of seize that opportunity. Some of these guys on that right side. Um, but I thought Cole played great the other night on that right side. Um, and he talked after the game about, you know, there's some advantages to that. If, if he wants to shoot a one-timer from the point, he can do that. And, um, just some other things too. And, um, but he's also just a veteran defenseman. That's a good defender. You know, we, we saw some offense from the other night. I thought that assist he had to Stamkos was a really nice play. He had another good pass like that later on in the game and the hands in tight for that goal obviously was impressive, which, you know, you don't expect that from him throughout the year, but to me, he's just consistent. I, I was a really big fan of the signing when it happened. Um, when I was working in Columbus for a year, he was he was there that season. They they acquired him at the deadline, and he was great. He's he's hard to play against. There's not, I wouldn't say there's not a lot, but the NHL is becoming. There's less and less of those guys that are really hard to play against, maybe than there used to be ten years ago. And I think he's one of those guys. I remember. Uh, when Dallas was, I'm not sure if they were on the power play or not, but Pavelski was kind of hanging out in the high slot and trying to get in front of Elliott, and and Cole was just giving it to him, cross-checking him, and he was all over me. Could, Pavelski couldn't move off of him, and he's barking at the ref after the whistle, thought he was kind of being interfered with. But Cole's tough to play against, and he's just, like I said, he's a veteran. He's smart. He knows where to be. He's won cups. He's played important games. So I'll be interested to see if you know, once everyone's healthy, if, if he stays on that right side, does he go down to that third pair and play on the left side there? But uh, he's kind of a wild card right now. Like, I, I, I think he's a really good defender. I think he's a quality defense in the NHL. I don't know. You know, he's not going to go out there and play 30 minutes a night. But I think with the uncertainty on the right side, it, it could be an opportunity for him to be with Hedman long term. But I don't know what the Lightning's, the coaching staff's plan is with that and, and having a lefty on that right side. But, I mean... Between, we haven't seen Bogosian yet this year, obviously, but between Foot and Myers as the other right-hand options with, uh, you know, with Perbix on that second pair, I mean, I think Cole's probably the best option right there right now. I don't think Myers or Foot have really jumped and kind of, you know, taken that opportunity and ran with it so far. So we'll see what he does, but I, I thought it was a great signing. I thought it was a good kind of a plug for McDonough being gone with, you know, he'll eat pucks the way McDonough did and, and he defends hard, so... I think it's been a great signing so far. Hopefully he can stay healthy and um, just, as you mentioned, good depth for the Lightning. And we'll see what happens when Bogosian comes back, though, too. What do you think, Mish? Yeah, we've talked about that. I think the Lightning really prefer having the righties on the right and the lefties on the left. Mm -hmm. But they're also not blind to the fact that Cole does seem to have chemistry with Hedman. Yeah. <laughs> so these things tend to work themselves out whether somebody gets dinged up or somebody has a subpar performance and the play tends to dictate where guys are, are slotting in. But I do know that as a coaching staff, if they could draw it up the way they wanted to, they would have three righties on the right and three lefties on the left. I do think Cole is going to be one of those six. The question yeah. is, though, is he going to be the third lefty and who's going to play with Victor Hedman? It had been right. Chernak. I guess we're going to see. I wanted to ask you what you expect to see tonight from 
another team that's had kind of an uneven start, but they actually began well, the Flames. They were 5-1 and one after six games. They've gone 2-5-2 two, and two since, giving up a lot of goals, which was not their MO at all last year. They've had turnover. What do you what do you think we're going to see tonight? I haven't watched them much this year, to be honest, but their turnover is interesting because you lose, you know, you lose Kachuk and you lose Gaudreau, and then you bring in Kadri. Um, you know, they bring in Uyghur on the back end, and um, but I feel like I'm missing someone up front. They brought in Huberdo. Huberdo, yeah, came in the trade. And he was kind of he's kind of been slower to the start this year than than prior, but. It's it's interesting because it's it's a different look, but they they still have talent up front. I really like Lindholm. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league. He, he scores, and uh, I know Toffoli's been having a pretty good year for them too after kind of an up and down few years over the past couple years. But yeah, I was looking at their goaltending numbers. They haven't haven't been great, so I don't know if they're not defending well or or what it is. But um, you know, Markstrom was. Vezina candidate for yeah. most of last year. I don't know if he was a nominee at the end of the year or not, but I'm just looking at their... Well, it's interesting. Like When you're not seeing a team, it's hard to know, but I was seeing yeah. their metrics are actually quite good as far as their shot totals. Mm-hmm. They're third in the league in shots four, and they're fifth in the league in fewest shots allowed, which means that Markstrom's save percentage is going to be pretty bad right? because their goals against is actually worse than their goals for. So the question is, is it him? Is it the team in front of him? I guess we're going to see. Like the game last night, nine goals, but would you say either goalie played poorly? I don't think so. Yeah. so sometimes that's just the way a game unfolds. How many scoring chances are getting sprinkled in there and those – low shot numbers that Calgary is allowing. Well, you've been doing this a long time. I mean, is Daryl Sutter a, a coach that is defend, more defensive-minded? Yes. You would say and give well, this, he was. His teams don't give Kings. up a lot of shots. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it should be interesting. Like I said, there's a lot of – they have a lot of that talent up front, but there's just – it is so much turnover, so it makes me wonder kind of what – uh, you know, how much the Lightning's coaching staff can have a good pre-scout. I mean, I, they'll look at stuff from last year, obviously, and, and look at their games from this year, too, but – just a lot of new phases on here I'm looking at. I mean, they still have Coleman over there. He's five points, only one goal. Trevor Lewis, I know, scored a couple the other night, I think, or has been scoring for them recently. Brett Ritchie, I mean, he's been – I mean, he was in uh, in Providence when I was there in the AHL. He's jumped jumped back and forth between NHL and AHL. It seems like he's found a home there. I don't know. It's To be honest, it's not a team, like I said, that I've watched a lot of this year. There's some Western Conference teams I've seen, but – They've been home a lot, too, so we yeah. would have had to stay up late <laughs> to see them play. Yeah, but, I mean, there, there is, um, there's some interesting players on that lineup as I look through it now. Like, you have the Lucic, you have the Kadri, the Uyghur. I mean, there's some big guys, Zadorov. Um, so it should be a good game. I'm excited to see that. Rasmus Anderson, too. I mean, he's had – these past couple of years has kind of taken mm-hmm. off a little bit offensively. So He had 50 points last year. Yeah. But they scored a lot last year, and yeah. one reason why they scored a lot last year, one reason, they had depth – but their top line was maybe the best line in hockey. They had those three guys led the NHL in plus minus Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau, and Lindholm. And, you know, if you had Stamkos, Point, and Kucherov playing on a line in one year, and then you took two of those guys off the team the next year and said, okay, let's figure this out, it yeah. may take a little while, right? Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, it's that's one of the bigger superstar trades I can remember in a long time. I mean, I think Kadri's a really good player. He shoots the puck a ton. Um, 
and he's hard to play against. No one wants to play against that guy. Similar to Kachuk. That's why I thought the trade was kind of interesting and these acquisitions because you lose you lose a guy like Kachuk and, and then you lose a guy like Goudreau. One guy's hard to play against, and then the other guy's got a lot of skill, but then you bring in Kadri, who's hard to play against. You bring in Huberto, who has a lot of skill. Different sizes, obviously, but kind of uh, similar players, and but but different at the same time, so... Yeah, I mean, there's a. It should be a good game. I'm I'm excited to see what the, what this team does and and how they play because, like I said, it's just you know we don't see them that often. And there's West Coast teams I watch more so than others. It's naturally isn't a team that I watch too much. Just kind of I guess the lack of star power compared to some of the other teams out west like the Edmontons and things like that. But I'm excited to see the matchup. Uh, uh, we'll see if there's any any fun between guys like the Lucic's and the and the Zadorovs and the Maroons and Uyghur and there's some big guys out there tonight. Well, let's to that point, Chris Gren joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. We talk about up front. Do you get a sense when Bolsters is going to get in? And regardless, do you feel like some guys who maybe were struggling a bit on the third and fourth lines have picked it up? And do you attribute it to at least a good portion of that, the Lightning bringing somebody in potentially to replace them from the outside? I mean, it's a fair question. I, I, I don't know how much it's it's played an effect um, on the guys. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's, you know, put a little spark behind him, um, having another guy there for sure. I know we won't see him tonight. Cooper mentioned that this morning. He's not, Balsers won't play tonight. Um, Eric Erlinson asked, you know, when, when will he get his chance when we see him? Coop said he's, he's not sure. He's, you know, not sure when he'll get in yet. So not tonight, but um, for me, I thought a big change was putting Perry up on that third line with, with Nemestikov and Colton. I thought, they were really good in the preseason together. That that game against Florida, I think it was when Nemesnikov had the hat trick in the preseason. They that line was really good, and I thought they were really good the other night versus Dallas. Um, for whatever reason, those three work well together. And then you put Kepke down there with with Maroon and Belmar gives that line a little more speed, I think, and some youth to it. And Kepke's been good getting on the forecheck. He plays physical. Uh, I think he's a pretty good skater. Um, but that fourth line knows, you know, even before they they claim Balsers, we heard Maroon talking about they need to get going and, and provide some offense. Um, despite the fact that it's not, that's not really their job necessarily. You know, he's, he's talked so much since I've been here about, they just want to set up the next line to have a good shift and, and put them in a good spot. But at the same time, you got to score throughout the year a little bit. Um, good to see Kepke get one the other night, but you know, I think that fourth line, it's, it's tough to say with Balsers because I, for me, I think the lightning saw and Cooper almost made this clear you know, he said it's the general manager's job to improve the roster in whatever way they can. For me, I think they saw Balsers go on waivers. They saw him score a goal against them. They played against him in the preseason. Uh, he was out in San Jose when, when Rob Zettler was there. Uh, so there was some familiarity there. I know Nick Paul played with him um, in Belleville in the AHL. So for me, I think it was, hey, this is a good player that's proven he can play at the NHL level. He's available. We have 12 forwards on the roster. Like, let's grab this guy. And I don't think it was necessarily like, hey, this guy's going to we need this guy in our lineup right now. Um, but it does provide some, a little bit of push for those other guys. And I'll be excited to see him when he gets in. But I, I do think just from watching the skates, you know, he's only been out there a couple of times since they've acquired him. I think he really is still trying to familiarize himself with, with the systems and everything like that, getting to know the guys. And um, it'll be fun to see when he gets in there. But, you know, I, I don't think, I don't know who you take out right now. I think Kepke's playing well. Um, but at some point, he'll play. I would imagine it would probably be someone on that fourth line to come out unless there's an injury. Like you said, 
sometimes with the D, this, the stuff just takes care of itself in weird ways. So maybe someone has to go out for an injury or their day-to-day. But, you know, I, like I said, I think that bringing a guy in, it doesn't hurt um, for motivating other guys to get going. But, you know, I think that fourth line, they knew they needed to get going. And, and as I said, I think moving Perry up to that third line was, was a good move. I think that line has, for whatever reason, that trio plays well together. And we're starting to see some more consistency I think on that on that bottom six just even if they're not scoring as much just in terms of better play and we saw a little bit the fourth line getting stuck in their own end at times over the past couple of weeks I think they've been better too um, but I don't know have you seen Balsers play much you know much about the player not much a yeah. little bit I was impressed with him though in the preseason yeah. and when we saw the Panthers for that one game that that the Lightning won in overtime entering that game he was on their second line playing yeah. with Kachuk and Bennett so I don't think the Panthers wanted to lose him. I think they got into a little bit of a roster salary cap crunch when Aaron Eckbide came off the injured list. Yep. I want to follow up on your point about the bottom six because we have said, I actually feel the fourth line has done way better in probably the last five yeah. to six games of playing with the puck in the offensive zone. The line that, that has been less impactful, just even having the puck, I think, has been the quote-unquote third line, which now Perry is on with yeah. Nemenstikov and Colton. But last game, Colton scored. Nemenstikov was seemingly as active as we've seen him in, in quite some time. Do you think that can be an important kind of launch pad for for that line? Because they had a good game against yeah. Dallas. Yeah, they did. I mean, it's funny now that, now that you mentioned that, I think about how the Lightning and these other lines talk a lot about they they never want to be one and done, right? They don't want to just get a sh- one shot on goal and then and then that's it. But and that's kind of what when I think back, like that third line's had a lot of one and done. They don't they haven't really sustained zone time too well. But I think Nemesnikov is he's playing really hard. I mean, he's tough to play against for a guy his size. Had the bonehead penalty kind of the other night, I think, going into Ottinger. But you hope that that can springboard them a little bit. I, I, he. I think it would be great for him just to get a goal. Um, he still doesn't have one this year. I don't think he's played poorly by any means. But, um, you know, you hope that Ross gets one that can spark things a little bit. But, you know, I think that those two, talking to Colton throughout the year, he likes playing with Vladdy. And I think Vladdy likes playing with him too. So mm-hmm. they have some chemistry. I've liked Colton's game a lot throughout the year. I mean, he's he's kind of been glued to that third line and, and that ice time he's getting. But... I mean, he has eight points through 16 games, four goals. I, I imagine he'll probably be a 20-goal scorer for this team again. That's what I know they hope. But, you know, he to me, like, he's a guy that plays really hard every night. He's second on the team in hits despite, you know, getting those third-line minutes. And um, I think he catches guys off guard sometimes with, with his size and how strong he is and how he can hit. But you hope that they can springboard a little bit with him getting a goal. I mean, that is that does kind of feel like the line that needs to – provide some more secondary scoring for sure right yeah it's all about the secondary scoring isn't it yeah that's what we need it's been a theme this year for sure yeah Hagel and Paul certainly stepping up a little bit and that's been fun to watch so uh, before we let you go any idea any word uh, a little bit more with Bogosian Sorelli and when you think we will see them back did Cooper reference maybe before Thanksgiving we'd see one of them was that Bogosian that was yeah Bogosian he mentioned um a couple of weeks ago, he had mentioned around Thanksgiving was when they were targeting him to come back. And I think it was also Eric asked the other day, is, is it still going to be Thanksgiving for Bogosian? And and Cooper did say it could be, they're hoping a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that'd be great for them. I, I really am interested to see where he fits in with this whole thing and then what happens with, with that decor because they're going to have quite a few guys back there then. Who did Bogosian play with mostly last year? Well, he played some with Hedman. Yeah. But I think Sergachev. Okay. Like, they were the third pair. Yeah. Yeah, because McDonough. But Bogosian had injury problems last year, too. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be – I mean, where do you see him going in? Hedman? I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the, coaches, yeah. the coaches are going to have to figure that out. Because I think right now it's easy to become, as Greg often says, a prisoner of the moment. Yeah. But it's hard to justify breaking up Cole and Hedman, as good as Cole has looked, playing that right side. Yeah. If, if Ian think... Cole's on the left side of the ice, I don't think that he scores that goal. No. If it's on the other side of the ice, or a righty defenseman is going to have a hard time scoring that goal. Yeah. He was able to tuck it in because he was on his offside. Sorry, yeah. Greg. No, I was just going to say, I think if there's if there's a guy that can do it, I think it's somebody who has a lot of games under their belt, who's a veteran, who you really you don't mind maybe getting out of his comfort zone as you would, let's say, a Perbix. And I'm just using this as an example, a Chernak. Mm-hmm even a Sergachev to a lesser extent. In other words, you don't typically like to do those things because coaches like the righty-lefty combination, but if you are going to do it and you've got another veteran who really doesn't have a ton to prove, I mean, I think Ian Cole at this point in his career, guys, it's about winning, and I think whatever he does, that speaks to the nature of how he plays. So I don't think you mind moving a guy like Cole as long as he's comfortable doing it playing quote-unquote out of position because I think he's a guy that's seen so much over his career. I don't know if that's going to bother him as much as it would a younger defenseman. That's a good point, yeah. And I think, too, like, it's crazy how going into the season, the decor was really, I would say, you know, one of the bigger concerns. It, it still probably is. But the emergence of Sergachev and Perbix, the way that they've been able to play, and then you're going to get Chernak back, and then Bogosian, I mean... If if Chernak's the guy to go on that top pair with Hedman, which we've seen throughout the year, and then you have Cole and Bogosian on your third pair, I mean, that's a that's a pretty solid back six. I mean, compared mm-hmm. to most teams, I mean that's a that's a great third pair. I think Lightning fans have been spoiled a little bit over the years because you look around the league and you look at some of the the other third pairings um, throughout the NHL, and it's uh it gets messy. Uh, with a lot of teams. I mean, there's not a lot of really high-quality third-pairing, uh, you know, third-D pairs throughout the league. So if it ends up being like a Cole and Bogosian, I think that'd be a, that would not be a fun D pair to go against yeah. for a lot of forwards well, throughout the like league. Well, like you said, the, the veteran defenseman, that role has dried up a little bit because yeah. the league is always looking to get younger. You always have prospects coming up. And the older defensemen that tend to stick around are the ones that are high-end defensemen, right? top-end defensemen. So where is the role for the Ian Coles? Maybe mm-hmm. one reason why he's kind of bounced from team to team a little bit here is that teams are like, okay, well, we have to make room for somebody yeah. somebody else, right? Yeah, and it's different, too, now, like all these defensemen coming up. Like you have the, the Kale McCars and, you know, like Morgan Riley's mm-hmm. and... And Sergachev's even like it's it's a different it's a different kind of defenseman now. Teams want like the Lightning do. I think they want their D getting up in the rush and, and good skaters and guys that can provide offense. So it's a little bit different. But uh, 
you know, it'll be good for the Lightning to get Bogosian back. I'm excited to see him back. He'll get some rest, and you know he's itching to get back too. So um, who would have thought that, <laughs> you know, at this point of the season, it'd be like, okay, who's going to come out from play, from the, the back six there? Yeah. Um, so it's it's a good luxury to have for the Lightning. I think overall they're in, they're in pretty good shape. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, I think they're really starting to kind of take some strides here and get their identity down a little bit. Guys are getting familiar with the system. And, and some guys have gotten to play more, like Myers – he had that really tough turnover against Anaheim and, and, you know, he didn't, didn't play for the next several games. And I think for him to get some games, it's been helpful. I think flurry has been pretty good when he's been able to get in. So overall it's uh things are starting to take, take shape for this group and they've had some learning experiences throughout the year and just keep trending upwards. I think, I think they're on the right, the right path right now for sure. All right, sir. We appreciate it. Get back to writing those game notes. Man. <laughs> Thanks for those having game me. Those game notes, I, I need them, man. I need them. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. Can't know? live without them. <laughs> Can't live without them. They are so important. And we'll talk to you on the uh, the pregame and then throughout the game tonight. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Chris Crenn joining us there, giving us a little bit of his time. And we always appreciate that, Mish. You know, yeah. Anytime we can get somebody. And you're in the, the nice, cozy studios, correct? Very not, cozy. You're I can not tell you it's probably, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. 15 degrees chillier in our booth where we did the show last year. Yes. So, yeah, Steve just said at least. <sighs> I'm not give cold, you, Did I give you a little chill? A little there, chill. just thinking about a little it. Chill. I did. A little chill. A little chill. All right, where do you want to go? You want to get into Calgary a little bit? Is there anything uh, related to the Lightning that we need to dive into a bit more, which is fine? because well, Calgary you know. is interesting. Like Chris was saying, their metrics are a little confusing. You would figure a team – so I, I gave the, the ranking shots for, shots against. But the actual numbers, they are averaging 36 shots a game for – and they are holding the opposition to 27.9 shots against. Now, shots don't tell the whole story. You have to watch a game to kind of see how many scoring chances is one team getting, how many scoring chances is that same team giving up. Maybe the Flames are just producing a lot of shots and they aren't really high-quality shots. I don't know. There's no, there's no doubt that they are having to integrate some new key guys into their lineup, although it does seem that of all of the new players that they brought in, Kadri has acclimated the most quickly. He's basically at a point a game. Huberto much more slow in his start, and Uyghur has four assists. Now, I don't really know how they're using him necessarily. Maybe he's not really seeing a lot of time in the power play, be that as it may. But if you are averaging, let's say, eight shots more per game than you're giving up, you do not expect to be underwater in your goals for goals against. And why are they underwater? They're scoring over three goals a game. It's their it's their goals against. Like, that's really where their problem has been. And is that Jacob Markstrom slash Dan Vladar? Or is it the team in front of those guys? I don't know. Like Chris said, it's not like I've seen a lot of Calgary games. Yeah, on yesterday's show, I said they hadn't really come east yet. That is incorrect. They had one trip east where they played the three, I think they played the three New York teams. But they've played a lot of home games early. And we'll see. I think Daryl Sutter wants to figure this out. I think he wants his team to be able to, like, if they can score three, great. But he wants to make sure that they're allowing less than three. Like, he's John Cooper on steroids when it comes to that. 
Maybe he's mellowed a little bit. But you remember those Kings teams in the in the 2010s? Their key right. to success was, and there aren't a lot of teams that play exactly that way anymore, but they just locked you down. They were like structure to the nth degree, and you couldn't really generate much against them. They were slow. I don't think this Calgary team is slow. So Daryl Sutter has a different team, and he's adapted to that. Last year they scored a lot, and they didn't give up a lot. Both, which is why they finished first in their division and second in the conference. This year has been a different story. Now, they are coming off kind of a similar game to the Lightning. A game they won, but a game that was very high scoring. They beat L.A. 6-5. So, and they had a 6-3 lead in that game. And the Kings almost got it tied in the third period. So it's kind of a similar type of game where, you know, you come out of it and you're like, well, we won. But we gave up five goals. So we'll see We'll see where the Flames game is at. They're also starting a longer trip now. So they've been home a lot, like I said. Actually, let me look this up before I try and speak knowledgeably about it. You always speak knowledgeably. So they've only played four road games so far. They've played 15 games. So they've played 11 at home. Four on the road, and one of those was at Edmonton. Their trip east was Islanders, Devils, Bruins. So they saw the two two of the three New York teams, and they played the Bruins. This game tonight starts a six-game trip for them, all, yes. all in the east. So this is going to be a test for them. Nobody's really, other than Vegas, kind of grabbed things by the throat in the Western Conference, but Vegas is in Calgary's division. And the Flames, I think, would like to be out of the muck. But they're going to have to get going here, and I think for them it starts with defending better, or just giving up more, giving up fewer goals. You know, you wonder, and I know John Cooper's like this as well. I mean, ideally, what's his saying? You know, if you score more than two, you should win. Mm-hmm. I, I think for me that goes a little bit like, you know, we need to play a full sixty minutes. I don't know if that's reasonable. Not maybe reasonable is the incorrect word. Um, if that's attainable. I think what we have seen over the last handful of years, I think there's more talent in the league. I think goaltending has been not changing with that talent, so to speak, at the forward position. And Mm -hmm. I think you see some crooked numbers more so than maybe you would have in previous years. Uh, It's just an eye test for me. I I don't know if I have any hardcore evidence to back it up. It's it's basically what I see. So I look at the lightning, and I, I look at those cup runs and... If you want to throw what they did last year and, and the beginning of this year, and that's fine. I, I've always looked at the Lightning as a pretty good defensive team. But I, I never looked at it and said, they got to keep this team under two yeah. to win. You know, I always felt like, and maybe that was because I knew, one, their style of play at times led to some other chances offensively for the other team. But I just think it's really hard to ask in today's game. You got to defend two goals or less. And maybe that's just a blanket statement where that's where we would where we would like to be i don't know partner i, I kind of look at the nhl today i see more four three games than yeah. i do two one and well you know, last I think year you can defend that well too yeah last year we talked about it scoring was up so yeah. you may have to find ways to win higher scoring games once we got into the playoffs after the first round though it does go down. The games, the games became yeah. much more. But I think, I think in the postseason you expect that. I, I don't know in an eighty-two game season. I think that's a one. I think it's hard to play that way. 
because mm-hmm. that's a grind. I mean, look, Dave, if you're giving up two goals or less, you're you're defending pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Every game, and then you have to have the goaltending to you do because you're going to give up chances, you and are. your goaltender needs you to erase those chances. You are no doubt about that. So, you know, with Daryl Sutter and how he wants to coach, I think it's admirable, and I think no doubt there are some big picture talking points that make a lot of sense, particularly when you get into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, once the postseason rolls around, you can slash the total goal number by however much, and I think we all would agree, okay, that's playoff hockey. Mm -hmm. But I think in the regular season, it's different. It it is interesting because I do think, partner, there are regular season teams and there are postseason teams. The Lightning have been able to have both, and that's what makes them dangerous. And there are a handful of teams that do it. But I, I do think, I think regular season hockey in some ways is dramatically different than what you see in postseason. And if you've got a team, and I'm, I'm using them as an example, I'm not saying this is how they are going to be, that is giving up a lot of goals now, but maybe their MO is, look, we need to get that number down to two a game. Right. I, I just, I think it's a lot to ask if you don't have versatile personnel to play certain styles on any given night during an 82-game season. I think you need to have that flexibility. I don't think some teams have it, and it's for various reasons. Yeah. But I I think we'll see. We'll see. I think it's a lot to ask. Well, and maybe I'm misstating things for Dell Sutter. I mean, his team did score a lot last year, Mm -hmm. so it's not like he was – Shutting off the faucet. Thou shall not score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he certainly <laughs> didn't feel that way. He had the horses last year right. to be able to do that. And again, as I'm seeing this, I'm going to look up exactly what their numbers were last year. But I remember that they were one of the top offensive teams. Well, they had one arguably of the, the best first lines, right? I mean, they had arguably the best first line they in the did. game. I mean, in the regular season. In the regular right, correct. They didn't the do as season. well in the playoffs. They had trouble scoring against Dallas. And then they had trouble defending against Edmonton. Correct. And look, that can happen in a short series. But if we look last year, Calgary was sixth in offense, 3.55. And again, it's early. They've played, what, 15 games. They're at 3.13. So they're down a little bit in their goal production. But for team defense, they were third. Mm-hmm. 2.51 goals allowed per game, and right now they're at 3.33. Right. So that's almost, almost, 0.8. I'm not going to round up entirely, but I'll say almost a full goal more they are allowing per game this year than they did last year. And, you know, their shot totals were comparable last year. 35.5 shots for per game, 29 shots allowed per game. And they're kind of in the ballpark there. So based on that, which is not much, I mean, the numbers, you know how I feel about numbers. You need to be able to match the numbers. You need to be able to watch the team to make sense of the numbers. Without having had the benefit of watching this team, what I can say is the numbers tell us that the one big change from last year to this year Mm -hmm. is the goals allowed per game. That's the number that shot up. And whether it's Daryl Sutter or the most run-and-gun coach you can imagine, any coach is going to say, all right, if our success last year was predicated on keeping the opposition to two-and-a-half, and and right now we're allowing three-and-a-third, 
We need yeah. to get that number down. We'll see how that plays out. And, of course, remember we had – who did we have on? Mr. Woodley, who came on to talk about the goaltending. Yeah, he he's, he's a Markstrom, Markstrom fan. Markstrom. But high he got to watch him a lot in Vancouver, too. He did. <laughs> how big is he again? He's huge, isn't he? I mean, he's yeah, one of he's those just – monster of a goaltender maybe six five six, but goalies six. now there are a, like the smaller goalies are harder to find markstrom is six six yeah that's that's about right yeah that's a big boy yeah vasi six four elliot six two what if that elliot was a little smaller than that but again elliot looks smaller Moose. than a lot of other goalies yeah because most of the goalies around the league are very big right they are. Vladar, what's his? He's six five. I remembered he was a big guy, but so that's interesting. You know, I, I'm just browsing NHL.com a little bit, starting to see some goaltenders go down, some injuries. Flurry just went down with uh, an upper body injury. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Merzlikens out a, a couple of weeks. Of course, Line's on IR. Yeah. Um, and then obviously doesn't play goal, but Jonathan Drew went out four to six weeks. I didn't see that. An body and of course, Matt Murray has been out as yes. far as goalies being hurt. Yeah. So, you know, I always, and not that the Lightning are going to do this, and whew, because I think it has been a position of stability, but you can't tell me that Julian Breslau has not fielded any calls regarding Brian Elliott with some of the debacles out there with teams and their goaltenders, Mm -hmm. even if it's for not a number one. You're trying to tell me that nobody out there, and again, I'm assuming they have been, but it hasn't been brought up as a topic, mainly because I think the Lightning have no interest in going down that road. No, they don't. But, But Dave, don't you think the way we have talked about the goaltender position and the way Brian Elliott has played, and again, I think some of it is because he's not playing 65 games. He's not playing 45. But a lot of teams, you want your backup to push your starter, and in some cases, maybe you go to him for a couple of weeks when your goaltender mm-hmm. is still struggling, your number one. You can't tell me there haven't been conversations where at least feelers. Like hey, what kick do you, the tires. Yeah, what do, you, what do you make of Brian Elliott? And you know, again, you have to... You have to feel pretty good about where you are as an organization. If you're going to make a move like that, who would be the guy you'd call up? But I don't. I don't think that's even on the table. I am just saying, if you're another team, why wouldn't you call the Lightning in that situation? Right. And say, what do you have? What's What's it going to take to get Brian Elliott? Because that has been a huge position of strength. I can't tell you how big of a strength it's been for Tampa Bay. Well, over then, the last couple of years, that would. That would lead me to believe they're not going to want to make a move. Absolutely. No, I mean, he is he is very important to this team. And again, especially during the regular season. Mm-hmm. When you can go to him and John Cooper has all the confidence in the world, which is fun. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a great luxury. Go ahead. Well, you had asked about, like, what do we want to see from the Lightning tonight? Because we've talked yeah. a lot about the Flames. I'm looking at these goalie numbers. So the Flames goalie numbers are not great. Markstrom has an over three goals against and an under 900 save percentage, as does Vladar. But you know, the same is also true for both Elliott and Vasilevsky. 
it's rare to see Vasilevsky with a goals against over three and a save percentage under 900. It's barely under 900, but it is under 900. And I think it just goes, again, to the point that we were making, which is Coop wants this team to get back to allowing two or less a game. Yes. Even if, if your point is is a fair one, that it may be difficult to do on a regular basis over the course of a long regular season, I think that's the goal. And it may be difficult to do tonight against this particular team because the Flames can score. Well, don't you think that's more of just a a benchmark for teams to achieve? You know, yes. you can in, in any walk of life give a goal, and you could say, "Listen, um, I'm in sales." And the goal is to bring in, you know, five thousand. I'm again example five thousand dollars a month. All right. Well, you know, and I know, some months are better than others. <laughs> it just depends on circumstances and a lot of those instances. And you know, some days, some months, you may make more than that or, or lower than that. I mm-hmm. think it's it's something for the team to rally around and look at and say, look. This needs. This is going to allow us or help us get in that mindset to defend better. And I think the Lightning, to their credit, you know, over the last couple of years, especially, it doesn't happen every game, of course, in the regular season. But when they, when they defend hard and they're hard on pucks, they're a really tough team to deal with. And I think we've seen them at their best in the playoffs. But I also think, two partner with the Lightning. And being better defensively, for me, it always starts with how are they handling things in the offensive zone? Yeah. Because I think when the Lightning do have the puck, and they have some guys really hard to take away, but they have some guys who can go chase pucks, who can dangle with the puck, I do think the less time they can spend defending in their own zone, I think they're much more equipped to handle that load offensively and play keep away, so to speak because I think they have the players and the ability to do that more so than other teams. Well, yes, and, you know, the best defense can be a good offense, not only in terms of your goal production, but having the puck a lot. That's why puck possession is so important. But I would actually add a component to that. With the Lightning are breaking out of their own zone cleanly and regularly, they alleviate a lot of pressure, like all teams. But... That is that is kind of the first step because they can't go to work in the offensive zone if they can't come out of their own end. And you're fueling the other team's attack. I think when they've had issues in terms of losing the possession metric, mm-hmm. it's been a combination of both. They've done very little when they've had the puck in the offensive zone to kind of extend a shift. Yeah. And they've struggled to come out of their own end, so the other team is getting opportunities to have the puck in their end i think that makes sense and we'll see if if those worlds collide a little bit tonight and mm-hmm. calgary it'll be interesting to see how well they respond uh, at bolts radio we have some questions starting to uh, trickle in partners anything else you wanted to, to get into with the lightning before we we get to some questions or is there anything that uh, was, no let's get keeping an questions. eye on is the yeah. lineup do we have the lineup is it basically I think for the Lightning, it's the same lineup. I've been in the studio during the Calgary skate, so I'm not sure if the Flames are doing anything interesting. Okay. All right. 
Why don't you bring? See if Daryl Sutter wants to come on. Real quick. <laughs> yeah, pull a Barry. It'll Fox, be short answers. I'm pretty sure. Is he an entertaining guy? I think he is. Short but he's answers. very dry, and he tends not to give very long answers. How many Sutter runners played the, the NHL? Point. Six. Yeah. There were six. Of course, my dad always tells me that, uh, you know, Greg, the uh, the one Sutter brother that wasn't very good is the one the Penguins had. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, okay, well, you know. Well, you know, know, I will say this. When you are an enthusiastic fan of a team, you tend to see that team's warts a little bit more than somebody looking from you do. the outside. You do. And those Penguin teams had some lean years, but uh, <laughs> there were a few warts. <laughs> there were a few. Warts. When did he play? When did he play for the Penguins? Blue I Jersey era, or I want to say it was in the, it had to have been in the eighties, the early eighties. Well, they were they had switched Maybe right to black after at Mario pre pre Mario. Maybe it was pre Mario, Mario Malkin Mario. Uh, Tony says, which Lightning has underperformed so far this season that we'd love to see pick it up? Keep looking to Hedman to catch lightning in a bottle, hopefully soon. Thanks, guys. P.S. If Stamkos was able to play those extra 300-plus games, does he compete with Ovi for the goal race? I don't think so. Stamkos is getting close to 500 goals. So if he plays 300 games, how many goals are we giving him? He's he's averaging in his career about a goal every two games, so let's give him another 150. If we're going to say he's if he's going to be as injury free as Ovechkin has been, that gets him to 650. That's still a long way off from where Ovi is at, and that's assuming that he was just as productive as he has been during that time that he has missed. Yeah. Which maybe we should assume he would be, and maybe even a little bit more productive because he lost some prime years. You know, I've always or prime not years, yeah. but you know, he lost some some games in his prime. I mean, I think how old is Stammer? He's thirty. He's thirty-two. He'll be thirty-three 32? in February. Okay. And how many goals does he have? Four he's nine. Got, oh, sorry, four eighty-nine. Is that four eighty-nine? So might be four eighty-eight. I'm going to look that up because he just got. There to is 500. no doubt in my mind. Knock on wood here. 489. That man stays healthy for the next few years, and it's reasonable to expect the Lightning will be competitive, and he'll be playing with good players, and especially on the power play if he's playing with Kucherov, and you've got Hedman and Point. I mean, I think it's fair to say, minimum, <laughs> this is a guy who could hit 25 or 30 goals pretty regularly, mm -hmm. Mish, over the next you know handful of years, probably more, again, depending on health and, and where the team is. There's no reason why Steven Stamkos can't hit 600 goals for his career. I understand a lot has to go into that. I'm projecting a bit. But right. But the fan bit, asked, would he be up where Ovechkin is at? No. And no. I think that he would not be. No. Listen, Alex Ovechkin. But Ovechkin also played a couple of years before Stamkos came he into did. the league. He did. So he had a head start. I, I'm going to say no, but it, it doesn't mean Stammer couldn't close the gap. Ovechkin's the best goal scorer I personally have ever seen. I've obviously haven't been on the planet for an extended period of time, but he, for me, is the best goaltender I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Steven Stamkos, you can make a very hard argument, partner, at least of this generation. And 
define generation in terms of years if you want. We know decades is 10. Generational can be, what, 25, 30 years, maybe a little less than that, depending on who you're, who you're talking to. But if let's at least go since 2004, 2005, if, if that's how far back you'd want to go, I think Steven Stamkos arguably is the, the second best natural goal scorer I have seen mm-hmm. behind Alex Ovechkin. And I think that's a pretty high compliment because Ovechkin's going to go down maybe partner as having the goal scoring record. So Potentially. Yeah, and, and look, Ovechkin has been incredibly durable, like we talked about, and incredibly consistent in his goal scoring. I'm looking at his numbers right now. Ovechkin's low watermark for goals in a season. And he has played. So are we counting the two years that were shortened? There was the lockout shortened year, 12-13, and then there was the 56-game season. If we want to include those, his lowest goal total came in the 56-game season. He scored 24 goals. Mm -hmm. But if, if he had a full year that year, he would have been higher, <laughs> most assuredly. So, and if we're not going to include the lockout shortened year when he scored 32, his previous, his other low was 32 and 10, 11, but he had 53 assists that year. A rarity for him to have that many more assists than goals if you look over the course of his career. And then 16, 17, he scored 33 goals. That's, yeah. that's the low watermark. For some guys, scoring 33 goals in a year is a career year, right? Yeah. But the difference, one big difference between Ovechkin and Stamkos, at least as we speak now, and the fans said if Stamkos had those 300 games, he's about 350 games behind Ovechkin. Stamkos, and I'd have to look this up, but Stamkos has not missed 300 games due to injury because he came into the league three years after Ovechkin. So Ovechkin had already played, and Ovechkin missed one game in his first three years. So 245 games Ovechkin had played before Steven Stamkos played a single game in the NHL. Stammer has not missed 300 games due to injury, but he's missed he's missed the equivalent of about a season and a half, I would say, with his broken leg and the torn meniscus. He got hurt, I think, in the 17th game of the year in both of those years. The broken leg, he came back near the end. The torn meniscus, he he wasn't able to come back until the following year. But the big difference, other than the games played, between Ovechkin and Stamkos is Ovechkin has scored 152 more goals than he has assists. Stamkos and Stammer made this point when he talked to the media the other night, actually has more assists than goals. 489 goals, 500 assists. Mm. So some of that is who Stamkos is playing with. Stamkos has been able to set up Kucherov on power play goals. Right? Yep. You know, Ovechkin basically has been the shooter. Not entirely. I mean, the guy has more assists than Stamkos. He's got 636 assists. But generally speaking, he is scoring more than he is assisting. Stamkos has been pretty much a 50-50 split. So that is, in a way, maybe if Stammer was playing on a team where there weren't options for him and he had to shoot, 
that was the way the the team was structured or maybe he just had Ovechkin's mentality of if I see a puck near my stick I'm shooting it maybe that disparity would be greater and his goal total would be higher and his assist total would be lower but that's like fantasy land I mean you know we can't rewrite history this is this is where he is. These are the numbers that he has. And he's proud of the 500 assists. He's proud that he's not known as just a guy who shoots. He said as much. He did. Well, let's hope he continues to stay healthy because he's been fantastic. And it's been a lot of fun watching him score a lot of goals. And hopefully we score a few goals tonight as yeah. the Lightning take the Flames. We didn't get to that question about the the underachieving player, and I think the, the fan was implying that it was Hedman. I'm not sure Hedman has hit his complete full stride this year, but he's, he's still leading the team in ice time, mm-hmm. and I think he's still giving the Lightning some pretty good minutes. I would say Nemenstikov. I mean, for him to be at zero goals, and he had one taken away, and you know we thought he had a good game the other night, but I think that the Lightning would like to get some more offense from him, and by extension, the line that he's on. Remember, he was on the first power play there for a while. Now he's not on any power play unit. So I think that he can get going, but we are getting close to the quarter mark now in the regular season. So that would be the guy I would say that that maybe needs to get going a little bit more. Well, partner, I'll see you tonight with Espo, right? Espo's back, yes. All I'm right. not sure what condition his voice is in, but <laughs> we're going to hear tonight. Yeah, and it is Hockey Fight Cancer Night. It is, yes. So it's that's special to a lot of people and something that we all can get behind in that fight. No doubt about it. Thank you, Steve, for that reminder. All right, 6 o'clock will be the pregame skate show. E and Chief, I'll have the network pregame at 6.30, and then you'll have the game call partner at 7, and uh, we'll have the last call afterwards, too. Yep. So we've got a full Looking schedule. Forward to and then tomorrow's Friday, right? So then you and I will Tomorrow's Friday, yeah. Well, that'll be a pre-tape for us. We didn't actually talk about this. So I hope Is it you pre-tape can pre-tape. for us? <laughs> okay. I hope All you right. can pre-tape. <laughs> Lightning are getting on an airplane to Nashville. So. All right. Live radio, baby. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. We'll, we'll pre-tape tomorrow. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks to Steve Versnick as well. Thanks to you for listening, everybody. I am Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lighting Radio.